Hello, everyone. This is Xander Brothel with the Forward Thinking Podcast. I am joined today by Colton Slosson, Senior Manager of Marketing Operations. Colton, how are you doing? I'm doing today? awesome. Living the dream. Living the dream. We struggled with the intro. <laughs> this is like take four. We keep on making each other laugh. <laughs> which I think is going to be a good sign for a good podcast for the yeah, day, for right. sure. Uh, Colton, thanks so much for joining. Um, I do know that today is the first time that you are joining our podcast. Uh, and anytime that somebody is joining the podcast, we like to give a quick intro, uh, let all, all of our listeners know who you are and also how you got involved with CS2. Yeah. So marketing operations whenever i tell anybody that's curious about what i do it's always i stumbled into it i feel like that's a common denominator for most people that get into marketing operations is they stumbled into it because it's not your typical marketing path i mean i went to school and got a degree in digital marketing um which i mean at the time and still probably is one of the only really main digital marketing degrees out there because it changes so often, it's hard to kind of keep it up. Um, and there was probably a, a snippet in a textbook that I didn't read about marketing operations. But like I said, I didn't read it. Um, shame on me. I'm sorry, mom. Um, but, you know, I, I was kind of a generalist, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to get into, but I wanted to, I knew I liked marketing, I liked the, the connection and understanding people aspect of marketing. Um, but I didn't really know what, um, so I just applied for anything and everything and stumbled into marketing automation. Uh, that was my first role. And I kind of just started from the bottom doing list uploads, everybody's favorite, favorite thing. Um, but I did that for event management type stuff and then was curious and just continued to be curious in my career and ask questions, not only for those that I could reach out to next to me, because oftentimes it's your loan, but um, asking myself questions uh, about what's going on. Why is this thing working the way it is? And that really sparked an awesome interest in marketing operations that I am so happy I stumbled into it. Uh, so happy. And then, you know, stumbling into CS2, I feel like uh, when the opportunity came up that I should, I felt like I, sh I should apply. Um, I'm an ambassador for the MoPros and somebody there was also um, working here as well. And uh, just through that connection, I, I respected this person a lot and wanted to learn more about him and decided, all right, I'm gonna kind of look into see what his career path was. And it turns out he worked at CS2 I also was already following Chrissy and Charlie on LinkedIn and they're amazing to follow. They have a lot of great content out there that they offer out freely, which is amazing. So when I got the opportunity to apply, I was like, oh, this is a long shot. These guys are, you know, the superstars of marketing operations. There's no way that they're going to look at me and take me seriously. But, you know, here I am and thankfully they have and I've learned a ton, a ton in the past almost year that I've been here, which is crazy to me that I've almost been here a year. Um, but the, the amount of learning that I've had in this past year is, has been amazing. I can't thank CS2 enough for 
what it's done for me in my personal growth and my career growth. Yeah, I mean, we get the opportunity to see so many different ways that you can solve a problem. And we work with so many unique clients uh, who all have their own problems. And at the end of the day, like we solve things fairly similarly. Um, I think when I was in house, I always felt like we were a unique butterfly. And then you see that everybody's a unique butterfly in their own ways. But at the end of the day, like the 80-20 rule is 80% of the business is, is probably operating the same. It's the 20% that is kind of unique. But it's in that uniqueness that we have the opportunity to learn so yeah. much. Um, I find it fascinating that you that you kind of mentioned like, oh, there's no way that they're going to take me, take me in, take me seriously, any of that, right? And and so many people, probably people who are even listening, they they don't take that step because they're afraid of saying like, I'm not good enough. That imposter syndrome, which is very very real. Um, but I remember always telling people who either, you know, I was leading from a team management perspective or just as peers of, you know, you got to you got to shoot your shot and try. And if you miss, that's OK. But, you know, let somebody else say no to the to the idea of you doing it. Don't say no to yourself. Um, and so I'm glad that I'm glad that you said yes to yourself and applied. And it's been really great being able to work with you. Thank so. I'm sure that our clients feel the same way. So Colton, uh, the topic that we are diving into today is a very central topic to marketing operations. I will say from my own background, like I'm a very sales ops, revenue ops, process oriented person. Um, and so when it came to nurture, it was something that I didn't have a lot of experience with. Um, I've, I've definitely gained that in the short amount of time of being here and working with various clients through their nurture projects. Um, but I know that you've done some really interesting ones um, already here at CS2. And it, I know that this is a really great topic for you to kind of talk through. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say and share some of your wisdom that you've kind of gained through your experience here. So tell me, first of all, like, what's a great place to start to make sure that you have a successful nurture program in the first yeah. place? I mean, this can, this is going to sound probably lame and, and corny or whatever you want to say, but always, always start with a plan, lead with a strategy. Don't be reactive to the things around you and, and have a plan going in. Because then at that point, you, you, if you, I mean, marketing at its core is, is learning. You are learning how to best get your company, get yourself, who, whatever you're marketing out there. It's going to be different. It's going to be different for company A versus company B, but you will never know unless you try and having a, a hypothesis of what that could be is vital. So coming with a strategy of, okay, our company does X, Y, Z thing. These are our uh, key target demographics. We're going to go after these people. Great. You know that information. That's probably something you should know if you're in marketing. Great. That's a great starting point. But there's a, there's something that I've, I wouldn't say I've really struggled with too much, but it is a struggle in marketing in general is finding that happy medium of our, our company's important and I want to get my voice out there without 
being overbearing or too too pushy or too sales focused um and, and and finding that happy medium is can be very difficult but you'll never know unless you start trying so start with a plan um an okr of mine personally here at cs2 and i think this could go for anybody that is listening is always start with the document this is something that has been the bane of my existence in marketing ops for a long time. And I'm sure the people that have replaced me at different companies have been like, oh man, what did this person do? And why is it this way? Um, <laughs> and without a document, they have to go in and they have to be the detective and figure out why things are happening from point A to all the way to Z and all the different rabbit holes that they can go through to get to that Z. So have a plan, document it, and stick with it, make it well known across your marketing group or whoever is going to be interacting with, in this case, nurtures, make sure this is publicized, that people know that there is a strategy, there is a, an order to, to the madness of nurtures, because it, a lot of times is wild, wild west and, and can be, um, a little bit crazy. Uh, just to be frank, it's, it's. Yeah. So what, where do you think the craziness comes? Cause I, I feel the same way. Like nurture can get to be very unruly. Yeah. Where do you think that that kind of stems from? I feel like it's a couple parts. It's one, it's typically sent to a lot of people. Nurtures are, are large portions of your database. So there's a fear-based aspect to this that you're like, I, I don't want to even worry about nurture too much because I don't want to mess things up. And if you're, I mean, this is something I still struggle with. And I feel like most marketing people do as well is the fear of, or just people in, in any career is messing up, but people mess up. People are human. It's okay. I mean, I've messed up so many times in my career, career but it's what you do from that that mistake that really defines how your outcome will be in the future. So um, don't let the fear of not knowing how nurtures work now define how your your path will be moving forward. Don't let that stop you from trying. Um, the other part is with that fear, we, we don't try. And so it's something that's misunderstood and, and overcomplicated. When in reality, it's, you're sending an email, you're sending an email that's on a schedule to a specific group. That's something you do in marketing ops and campaign operations all the time. It's just a little bit more structured and it's not just one email, it's multiple emails. Um, I, I feel like those are the two, two main barriers, the, the fear of not starting. And then part of that, uh, is letting that fear prevent you from learning what nurture is and just trying. Um, and with that, I guess there's a third point is with that, it's typically seen as something that's difficult to manage. Uh, yes. Which it, it is and it isn't, it just depends on your plan. So if you have a plan and you have an implementation guideline of how this thing will work and you set that in stone to happen the first time, I wouldn't worry about the details too much. The first time you implement that guideline, 
it'll they'll have iterations. You can go back and update it, but at least have a plan of okay, this is what I'm going to do. These are who I'm going to these are the people I'm going to target, um, and then on the operations side, more technical side, how are we going to control all this? How, yeah, how are we going? The biggest hurdle I see with nurtures, at least in my my previous understanding and my previous hurdle that I had to get through was one, I don't understand this and I don't like sending a lot of the, I don't like back sending a bunch of emails to a bunch of people. There's a fear there. And then the third one was, I don't understand how this is working uh, completely. And I don't have a plan, like, I don't have a plan going in really. And it's always an afterthought for most marketers or marketing orgs, at least in my experience. And so people just assume, oh, let's just send it to nurture, send it to nurture, send it to nurture. Everybody in the database should be in nurture, which I I disagree with a little bit. Not everybody should be in nurture. Um, but having a plan and, and sticking to it can really get you over that initial hurdle of, and fear of, of starting. The, what will happen after you can, you can debate for years if you wanted to but being decisive and being okay with failure um, because not all nurtures, not all marketing campaigns are going to work and that's okay. Um, yes. Yeah. I think, I think uh, one area that I also find, you know, best intentions is I don't have any nurture in place. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to build a 19 stream with five different audiences, three different industries, and you go so complex to start with when in reality, like you don't have a typical evergreen nurture in the first place. Mm -hmm. So that's where, that's where it can become very unruly is that you have all of these different categories that you have to, you know, bucket people into. And typically what I would recommend is when you're starting, like start simple, start broad, you can continue to refine that nurture over time. And if you have different audiences that you want a different message to go to, you can iterate on that, but like start simple, keep that plan uh, as, as straightforward as possible, and then improve it over time, which I think that you'll have a lot more success than just trying to bite the entire apple and and you know get overwhelmed and have issues with traffic and such yeah and i know that we're going to go into the details of like how to go about setting things up which i think will be helpful yes so um before we move on to to that kind of the more technical aspect of controlling your nurtures and ensuring that people are only in one nurture at a time which i think is a big struggle um that we'll get into uh, there are, I, I think you made an awesome point of starting simple. Um, yeah, just start simple, start with one nurture, a very general, this is who we are type nurture, you know, bottom of the funnel, like just introducing who you are to the people that are barely know barely know who you are in your database. Right. Um, to put this into perspective on current clients that I've worked with here at CS2 is, I mean, like you had mentioned earlier too, we have wide ranging, we have different clients at different points in their marketing operations journey themselves. So, you know, one of our clients that I did this strategy with, um, they only have like three or four nurtures, which is fine. That's what they need. And that's what they asked me to help out with. But through this process, we're able to spin up a new nurture 
at least the if we set aside the actual email creation process aside as two separate things, email creation versus the technical uh, operations, if we split those two up, the technical operations and building that that plan out, it takes with a new nurture, it takes 30 minutes. I, I've timed it 30 minutes. Uh, obviously, I've done this a number of times uh, where one client was they had us do this for four uh, four nurtures. Uh, the first client I did with, we're continuously pumping out new nurtures where they're up to 14 new nurture uh, programs. And it's, it is complex. It can look scary if you don't know the process, but I, I've documented what that process is and, and queued that up to them to then, if they want to do it themselves, they can. But I am a resource for them if they need some guidance because I know it is a little bit tricky, especially when you get to that number of uh, uh, nurture programs. But it makes it so much easier, and I'm excited to kind of go over what that looks like. Fantastic. Yeah, uh, I think that everybody would really like to uh, learn a little more on that. So where do you start if you if you wanted to build something that is that is that repeatable? Where should people start? Yeah. Um, so start simple, start with one or honestly one, it doesn't really matter with this process. It is so easily repeatable that you could start with multiple, but if you really have apprehension when it comes to nurtures, yeah, just start with one. This, this process will work with one nurture or 10. Um, but the real, the real brains behind how this this process works is is solving for the question of how 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 do I prevent one person from not going into all fifteen of these nurture streams that I have going, running right these nurture programs, which when they first came to me and they're like this is a problem that we're having we don't know where people are we don't it was like oh gosh okay luckily um, another uh, CS2 team member, Christy had already done this. This is not something I came up with. I've iterated on it. Um, but that's, what's amazing about CS2 and the ability to be curious and look at step back and think, how can I make this a little bit better? And even after doing this with now two clients, I see things that I could do better on the next one, uh, which is exciting. So start start with the plan, start with one nurture. And the way to manage all of these nurtures and ensure that one person is only in one nurture at a time is through segmentation. So Marketo segmentation. Um, and so start there. So basically your entry criteria um, for each of your nurtures uh, will be referenced in your segment. So, um, I thought about the best way to kind of go over this part because this is kind of nitty gritty in the weeds and I'm hope, hopefully I can get my point across and, and allow the, the listeners to replicate this. But if, if this doesn't make sense, reach out to me on LinkedIn and I will help you. Um, because I understand that listening to this may be difficult, but using segmentations, um, you have however many nurture programs that you're going to want to run, 
you set up that that entry criteria as a segment in that segmentation. So your nurture segmentation, you have, let's say five different nurtures or one. If you're just starting out, that's pretty simple. It's everybody's going to be in that one nurture or default, right? Uh, however many there are, you build those out. The nurture segment themselves, the smart list there doesn't contain the logic for the entry criteria. So it isn't like, the demographics, it isn't this, all it is, is referencing, um, a static list, a static list outside. And the reason being, uh, which was something that I had to adapt to with the, the, the first client that I worked with doing this is they didn't just want demographic nurtures. They wanted activity based nurtures. So someone does this activity, let's add them into the nurture, but segments, segmentation, you can't add a smart list, um, or activity based filters into, into the segment. So to, to adapt to that, we, um, built the entry criteria in a nurture traffic handler. So whenever someone does that activity or, and also meets the demographics and whatever your criteria is in the smart list, it's identifying that. So this is outside of the segments. So in your marketing, um, activities in your nurture programs near that you have a program that is a nurture traffic handler, and you're going to have an entry campaign for every single one of your, um, nurtures and these are this is going to be the the hardest part of building this is figuring out what is your entry point what is going to bring people in and defining that working with your other marketing people whoever it is to define that and then the the flow what would happen to these people when they qualify is they're adding to a static list they add to a static list and your first thought is probably, oh, well, you're adding to a static list. They're always going to be on there. We're, we're also controlling that. So we're removing people based on um, criteria and, and discussion that we have with the client of how long do we want people to sit to be, to be qualified for this nurture in, at any point in time. So this part, um, which we came up with was two weeks. So if someone qualified because you can qualify for all 15 or however many nurtures we're going with the five. So they could qualify for all five and they can be on that, that entry static list, but that entry static list is then referenced in the segment. And they, the other thing in the segment is, so the first thing is the smart list is member of entry list. The other one is not in exhausted list. So, Anytime we are pulling someone out so that two weeks is gone. Um, so I'll step back. I'll st I'll pause there and go back to the entry. So we're adding them in, adding them to this entry list. We have a, a wait step of two weeks. If that person has not been added to the actual nurture program, the engagement program itself, and has received that email, that first email in that first two weeks or whatever time frame you're going to use, but we chose two weeks. It doesn't really matter. 
two weeks, we're going to remove that person from that entry list and then add them to the exhausted content. Um, because in this particular client's case, they didn't want people being added back into that nurture at a later point. So we're stopping them completely and they're basically not able to come back and that's how they wanted it. Um, so someone can be on multiple entry lists, but they're only going to be on one segment list because segments, you can only be part of one in that segmentation and it's, it's hierarchy based. So there is whatever nurture you want as the priority will be number one and so forth. So as you're building these nurtures out, you have to think, okay, these are the ones I currently have, which, where does this new one that I have fit in, in list of priority? If I have someone in, let's just say like a general welcome one, that's probably going to be lower, lower priority versus someone that in, in the, this client's case, they, they use like user gems. They have a user gems nurture that identifies people that were at a company using their product, their platform, and it's now at a new company. They have one to identify that. And that's more of like a, that's more high value. That's someone that is more familiar. So that's going to be higher priority than someone that maybe just interacted with a, an event or a piece of content or something that just is in your database basically. Right. And so the entries, entry criteria, they're on both entry lists, but since in the segment, we're referencing both those lists and they're on both of them it can only be on the highest priority one. So it's going to take that and it's going to add that to that engagement program. So that's kind of the entry point. And then the rest is your typical stop, pause, exhausted content, um, typical setup for, for most nurtures that you're controlling. Um, you're just now doing this in a traffic handler, but all those same steps, those stop, pause, exhausted content, those are all exactly the same. The only thing you're doing is changing the name of the program that you're referencing. And then at that point, I mean, once you have that down and fully understand what this thing is doing, you could clone and repeat this in 30 minutes. Like I, I I'm aware that this is taking me 30 minutes because I've done this a number of times. Um, but it, it, it can be that easy. Um, obviously that's just the building aspect. The, the key point is identifying the entry criteria with the broader marketing group, the sales group, whoever, whoever's in your, your team that you want buy-in on what that, that nurture is because marketing operations is not a solo thing. It is not, you're not Batman out there, you know, doing everything on your own. You have to rely on others, um, especially for certain data points that you're wanting to use in your nurtures for, for that entry criteria. I mean, sales ops, your Salesforce admin, if you use Salesforce, you know, what, whoever it is, reach out to them and say, Hey, if you're confused about a field, don't, don't scour the whole database, trying to figure out if it's used or not, ask them someone first. And if they don't know, then you figure it out. But odds are someone knows if that field is or isn't reliable use, whatever. Um, yeah. So, 
That's great. So, so Colton, the, the, it was a lot of information. Yeah. So definitely <laughs> want to empathize with our, with our listeners um, who may be multitasking, driving, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do you have, first of all, do you have any like, like workflows or flow charts that you've put together for this in the past? Yes. So yep. maybe so what a... we could do is, is, is link out to that in the, in the show description notes. Um, which might be helpful. Um, and maybe we can get something, you know, I'm sure that you're going to be posting something about this on LinkedIn kind of around the time. So uh, maybe yeah. multiple ways to be able to visualize this for sure. Yeah. Yeah. This was, I was excited to go into this, but I knew that this is going to, you know, something that you have to kind of visualize to really fully grasp. Um, and so before this, I did, you know, build out a documentation documentation for our client. So they have a step-by-step of how this is done with recordings of me, one going through it in Marketo, it's just like an overview. And then another one going through a whimsical document wireframe of this is the process. This is how it's running. Um, and, you know, something that we can do as part of this, um, depending on the time frame and how much time I have to do it. <laughs> and whatnot is I could honestly probably spin up a a template for this. I mean, I already have the step-by-step docs. I just, I just need to edit a little bit. So it's not so specific to that client. And that's something I feel like anybody could just read and with a a quick video or whatever, could understand it fairly easily. Yeah. I think that that would be pretty fantastic. Um, So I just want to repeat back to make sure that I'm tracking where we're where we are at so we're spinning up a a nurture what's most important is understanding the the entrance criteria and also the priority of that entrance criteria and that is essentially what you have built with the combination of the triggers that are putting people into static lists Mm -hmm. static lists that are being referenced by a segmentation out of marketo which i think that you could probably rebuild if you're not utilizing marketo you're basically just trying to create a dynamic list that says here's priority number one here's priority number two three four five correct and then you've also built into they get they get inserted into one of these static lists but you also have to have a mechanism to get them out. So then you have you have programming that's built into that to say, you know, if you meet this criteria, exit out into exhausted. So that way you yeah. don't come back. Yeah. Yeah, that makes that. I mean, I feel like that is um, that's unique. I haven't seen that. I, I haven't had the opportunity to build something u- utilizing this methodology, but I think that it could be very useful. Um, sticking with the, with the Marketo example, cause I think that this is how you have built it out. Like are, yeah. are all of these, um, are they all utilizing engagement programs and streams or are they utilizing like default programs? What does that look like? Uh, they're all using engagement programs. Um, so all, so the nurture traffic handler is a program by itself. That's in the same folder as all the engagement programs, um, just as a, keeping it clean, right? Yeah. But all the nurtures, yes, are engagement programs. They do, most of them have a multiple stream track, um, whether that's due to controlling timing a little bit more instead of just like a weekly send or like, I can't remember the the, um, default controls that the streams have, but typically it's like, oh, let me send it in a week or a month or I don't even know something like that. 
there's one stream where they want to send it every three days. So you have to kind of transfer people into the next stream to, to adapt to that, that specific time frame. Um, but yeah, uh, engagement programs using streams, um, just kind of depends on the, the nurture itself. Very cool. All right. Um, so would you say that, that for the effective nurtures, the primary, the, tr the primary piece is gathering your requirements, working, not working within a silo. I heard you saying that multiple times, making sure that you have the right fields because nothing's worse. I've, I've totally been there. You build some entrance criteria, utilizing a field three months goes by, nobody's entered into it. Sales ops is like, yeah, we, we stopped using that field at the top of the year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's all about communication, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Um, so what would you say comes after this? Yeah. So, I mean, your process is built, your strategy is executed. You're done. No, no. <laughs> don't stop there. Please don't. One, you, I mean, you're going to maybe get in trouble <laughs> because then you're just kind of wild, wild less. And it, everything you did before is just out the door. Um, you want to adapt. You want to learn, be curious about why things are working or not working. So, you know, have one, aside from reporting, you want to monitor these. And that could be whatever time frame you want. It could be every week. It just depends on the org too. If you have headcount to actually do this, then do it once a week. Um, but don't don't overanalyze this. Don't. It's a nurture. It's it, it takes time, and it's email too. And email, I mean, it's great to introduce. It's great to influence, but it's not the end all be all. You know, so don't don't stress too much about the reporting. But you do want to have something to look at to analyze the results of your campaigns. So um, what that time frame is, I mean, it depends. Uh, like like your sign back there, if you're watching this or, or whatnot, he has a sign that says it depends. And it's kind of like, I don't know, not official, official CS2 motto, but it depends. So whatever that time frame is to evaluate your nurtures is kind of going to depend on your organization and a few things. I mean, you can look at it at your typical sell cycle as like a real, uh, so whenever you've launched the, the nurture, I, I identify when that happened and then, okay. Uh, a key point would be look at six months from now, just throwing a number out there look at the what has happened from the start of that nurture obviously it's not going to take everybody that long to go through that i hope not you don't have six months of nurture streams um but kudos to you if you do um but you want enough data in there enough people to have run through that exhausted that content to have identified key key points in their journey um but it is Nurture, it's going to be top of funnel typically. So the number one thing is just to evaluate the success of your nurture is your qualification status, whether that's MQL, whatever you want to name it, whatever the qualification status to get them to sales. I would say that's a good, that's a good starting point. Just look at that. And, um, there's some, I mean, this is something I'm still really, really learning because analytics on my, uh, um, 
shoot, what's the thing that we did with Joy to go over our strengths and weaknesses? Uh, strengths finders. Yeah, strengths finders. With uh, yeah. Anyways, analytics is actually, ironically enough, my last thing. So this is something that I'm still, as we've launched um, all these nurtures, is going through with the client. Okay, let's identify what is happening, what what is working, so that we can then go back and adapt and change the current email process. Like, there's so many different aspects to nurture in the email that you can really get nitty gritty into. Don't overthink it. Simplify, simplify, simplify. That's the name of the game with marketing operations. Simplify. Don't overthink it. But look at the results and then make another hypothesis about why that is happening continuously being curious about the results and the outcomes and, and trying to improve. Um, there's going to be, there's bound to be a nurture that you have that just sucked that, you know, it's going to happen. Don't worry about it. Like nobody, nobody in your org is waiting at night thinking, oh man, so-and-so's nurture really is throwing off our whole, you know, our whole sales cycle right now, please, you know, nobody. I mean, I hope not. If you do, please get out of that place. <laughs> but, um, you know, this is your domain. This is your area. Nobody's going to own it like you do. So own it. Be upfront with the information that you have at hand. Um, that's something that I'm really working on, understanding that analytics is a weakness of mine and, and learning and looking out for people around me uh, CS2, I'm very fortunate to have a lot of amazing people that maybe analytics is not their weakness uh, that I can rely on and kind of get their opinions on how to best track this sort of thing. So this is right now a work in progress for me, but it is something that is vital to the success of your nurtures and, and, and ensuring that you adapt and learn and make it better. So. Absolutely. And, and going back to, you know, what, whatever it was that you were hypothesizing, that hypothesis should have some metrics that you are measuring against to, to know, yeah. right? We can't necessarily default to is nurture delivering more opportunities, because that might not be the intention of your nurture. Exactly. And it usually isn't like nurture is usually being used very top of the funnel, especially for a mm -hmm. first time nurture to get people in front of sales to engage them to teach them you know those sorts of things don't necessarily immediately include pipeline opportunity but that influence at the top of the funnel is super critical when you go further down the further down the funnel and guess what you're going to have new nurtures at that point that you're inserting into this process to keep yeah. moving them towards so top of funnel might have different metrics than your bottom of funnel middle of funnel nurtures for sure exactly yep um, and, and something that you, you said kind of reminded me of this because I didn't really get into like the email specifics. And I, I mean, you have somebody in email marketing probably that's building emails, but don't assume your, like your product is amazing. Yes. But nobody's sitting at their computer at home waiting for your next email day in and day out. But they, there are people that like to get your emails here and there, but people are busy. Things happen. You're not the most important thing. I, I understand like that is hard for me in my life because I'm me and I want me as a priority. Right. Um, but 
keep your nurtures introductory as, as much as possible. Obviously, you'll have different ones that may end with a, a sales pitchy type related email. But especially, especially for those like welcome introductory ones, be as as laid back as possible. Try to like not jam your amazing product down down their throat because that, for me at least, as I've done a number of demos, gone through different product platforms to be introduced to yada yada yada, that is the biggest turnoff to me. It's like this sounds really uh, prideful, I guess. I know what I want. So, I mean, if you're showing me and you're helping me learn, that's the biggest thing. You're, you're identifying something that I, I value and you solve for that thing that I'm trying to wrap my head around or whatever, then I'm, I'm hooked. I'm, I'm going to be there. But if I'm the first thing I get is in a welcome nurture is like, oh, you, you're learning about us and here's a, a link to a book of demo. It's like, let me learn a little bit more about who you are first. I mean, you're going to have outliers that want that. Great. But for the most, most, I feel like will want that gentle, nurtured, you know, experience. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, kind of rules of rules of thumb that we've used in the past is like three to four introductory emails, then a soft call to action, some more in some more introductory educating nurture emails, another call to action, kind of sp space it out that way. And I think that I think that you'll you'll find a lot of success. Yeah. Um, so so Colton, we're coming up near the end of our time. This has been super educational and very, very helpful. I think uh, I think that if we can get some follow up documentation for the team or for, for the listeners, I think that will be very useful as well. Colton, if you had one key takeaway for our audience today, what would it be? Yeah, it would be to own your domain and be curious about the things that you're doing and, and adapting and learning. So with nurtures, be curious about it. It is, it is part of your marking ops wheelhouse that you should have, you know, you should be learning. Don't be afraid of that and, and just try Awesome. Colton, thank you so much for joining today to talk through the wonderful world of nurture. It can become very unruly. I think that some of the, some of the process that you introduced us to today can make that much easier. Um, you know, definitely starting with a plan can go very, very far. Document, document, document. It's going to make all of these future improvements and iterations that you talked about that much easier. You have been listening to the Forward Thinking Podcast. I'm Xander Broffel. Joining me today was Colton Slauson. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a review. Give us a thumbs up if you're watching us on YouTube, and we will see you next time.